Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right. Let's get to it, everybody. Fighter Fury here on your Sunday morning. It's Tobin here with you. Flying solo this week. Seema Tommy Guns out for this show. We will appear from them soon. Um, let's get into last night's action. There's a, there's a couple big things going on. We had HBO Boxing, which is winding down. I believe this was their second to last show last night. Daniel Jacobs taking on Sergey Derevchenko for the vacant IBF middleweight championship of the world. This was the one that was stripped from Gennady Golovkin. Uh, who, of course, is no longer middleweight champion of the world. That is mostly in the uh, in the realm of Canelo Alvarez. But Danny Jacobs is an absolute beast. He is a who's a man who a lot of people, including myself, thought beat Gennady Golovkin when those two squared off. And just an incredible story. I mean, coming back from bone cancer, uh, not to mention how talented he is, what a badass he is. And it was an interesting fight. It was an interesting fight where Sergey Derevchenko is bringing the Bringing the pressure for the most part in this fight, and that's that's his best asset, bringing that aggression, having Danny Jacobs back up the entire time. And, you know, I was watching this fight with a lot of intrigue as I thought that Danny Jacobs should be winning that fight pretty handily, uh, especially before we got to the last quarter of that fight where I thought he, he pretty much had that in the back. He definitely had a knockdown in the first round. He was landing the more meaningful shots by my eye test. But you start wondering when you when you see a guy backing up that much, when you see a guy who your opponent is that aggressive, he always has you up against the ropes. Just really just doesn't seem where even though you're landing big shots at him, you're not really deterring his will. And that was the thing you could say about Sergey. I mean, his will would not be broken that fight, that entire fight. And really, once you got to about round 10. You know, it was it was arguable that, you know, Danny probably pulled out one of those rounds, but I think you probably look at those last three, four rounds, and they probably went Derevchenko's way. That's that's the kind of aggression that he was bringing. That's the kind of that's the kind of momentum he was trying to take away. And, and, and Danny Jacobs just looked tired from having that kind of pressure put on him the entire fight. So when the cards were red, they went to Julie Letterman first. It was funny because her father, of course, uh, Harold, is – the legendary unofficial scorer of HBO. And he had a pretty easy win for Danny Jacobs the entire time. But uh, but Julie did not. Julie had it 114-113, which would have her having it 7-5 plus the, the knockdown, knocking that score down a little bit. So she gave it to Derevchenko. The other two scorecards, uh, they went 115-112, which, which is what I had. Um, and I think about what everybody should have been in the realm of that 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 Danny Jacobs had this fight, probably had it 7-5, but had that knockdown in hand, so he was pretty good. But but he definitely looked like he was petering out at the end, at the end of that. And uh, that's not to take anything away from Danny Jacobs. You know, Sergey is is an absolute badass. Um, 
you look at him and you and you wonder like if he was a if he was a weight class down might that be a little bit more ideal for him uh, but Danny is he is a big lanky middleweight man that is not an easy matchup for a lot of guys you know this uh, this is a guy who gave Gennady Golovkin all he could handle and then some and you know th there really shouldn't be you know I'm not I'm not looking at this to to take away anything from Derevchenko saying he can't last the middleweight division he certainly can uh, but it felt like it felt like the big difference in this was just those those obvious wow moments, those those real game changing punches of the fight. But as far as pressure, as far as will, as far as heart that he was able to bring in that fight, tremendous from all from all angles from him. And he put on a really really good bout against Daniel Jacobs, who then afterwards called out Canelo Alvarez. I would absolutely love to see that fight. It doesn't seem like that far fetched of a fight to make. You know, this is a guy, Danny Jacobs, that you definitely could sell on the fact that people thought that he beat uh, Gennady Golovkin. And that, a lot of the reason that Gennady Golovkin got the, got the nod in that fight was because they weren't about to go and ruin the the Canelo matchup. That The people had been talking about Triple G versus Canelo for a while, that they were finally willing to make it. And there wasn't going to be any way in hell that Danny Jacobs was going to get the nod over Gennady Golovkin. And a little bit similar to this fight, where with Danny, you do have to take into account, like, it does feel like as the fight kind of wears on, there's a little bit of steam that's getting taken off these th that th these fights. Like he is, a, he's a much faster starter than he is a finisher um, in, in these big time matchups. But that being said, you know we talk about the the the, the people that Canelo should face in this middleweight division: uh, the Charlos, the Billy Joe Saunders, the Andraj. All those are great, but I, I do feel like you know the best among them right now, and the most the 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 guy who's been in there with the best guys is Danny Jacobs and promotionally it feels like an easy fight to make simply because you know Danny is with Eddie Hearn I'm not sure if this is the last one on his deal or not it's clearly got to be the last one on his HBO deal but it feels like there'd be a seamless transition to go over to DAZN um, so promotionally I feel like that's a good match made for these two and the other thing is because of the size I feel like this upcoming fight with Canelo against Rocky Fielding is a good tune-up to take on Danny Jacobs. And if Canelo were to beat him, I think it just puts an even stronger foothold for himself at the middleweight division. These, these, uh, and, and of course, he, he also now has the luxury of having a belt. So with uh, with Canelo having the belts that he has, with Danny now having one of the belts that, that Canelo used to have, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting matchup there. So... Um, really good performance by him. Fun fight yesterday. Intriguing fight. I think a lot of us were on the edges of our seats with those scorecards. Not because, you know, most people didn't think that Danny Jacobs probably won that fight, but just because you know what the way judges can go and you know how a fight can be swung. And, you know, if that fight wasn't in New York, if Danny Jacobs wasn't the American, if he wasn't the more well-known guy, uh, maybe it swung even more. Maybe maybe that's something that uh, that that could have swayed the judges, but I think they got it right last night. I think I think a, I think a, I think a one fifteen one twelve it's is uh, is about as spot on as you can get for that bout. But Danny Jacobs um, he he almost let it slip out of his grasp last night. That's for sure. Let's get over to UFC. Um, you had a fight night last night in Canada. Couple of big matchups to really go on. Um, the co-main was interesting in this regard. You had Artem Lobov who was supposed to take on. This was supposed to be the matchup where he's supposed to take on um, Khabib's teammate. 
God for God forgive me, I can't forget remember his name. Zabit something. I, I I forget. It's not Zabit. It's Zabara, I think it is. Um, he was taken off the card because of the whole Connor melee. Uh, the sucker punches involved. Artem got to stay on, and his replacement was Michael Johnson, who was no joke. Who was who was an, who was an absolute stud. You talk about a guy who, you know, three years ago was a top five lightweight in the UFC, in the UFC's best division. So that just tells you how talented he is. You know, th- this is a guy, Michael Johnson, who probably cracked Khabib with the hardest shot he's ever taken in his career. Um, did go on to get dominated in that bout. And almost and almost had his arm snapped off. But if we if we were to look back over Khabib's career and say, what is the moment? It's kind of like when you look back at Floyd's career. Like, well, what are those moments? Everybody goes to Zab Judah. Everybody goes to Shane Mosley. When you when you have an undefeated fighter of that caliber, you you're really just looking for small pockets and small windows of of where he was vulnerable. And you know, Michael Johnson cracking Khabib the way he did. That is that's kind of the the moment everyone's going to highlight as saying, oh. And I think it was a moment that everybody who thought Conor was going to win looked upon and said, well, if, if Michael Johnson can do that to Khabib, what is Conor going to be able to do? But in fairness, like Michael looked like he had better snap in his fight than, than Conor did in that matchup with Khabib did. So anyway, we have this interesting matchup where Michael Johnson is taking on Artem Lobov, who, you know, his record is obviously not very impressive. But because of his relationship to Conor McGregor, one, that puts him in a co-main event. Uh, it puts him as high as he is in the card, where, you know, you probably you probably wouldn't be in, in any other case. But this is a guy, you know, who's Conor has been able to, to, to carry on the ultimate fighter, who obviously has a brand with him. With Conor's following, you kind of have that trickle-down effect of people are going to follow Artem. And there's a lot of drama surrounding this fight. So Michael Johnson comes into this bout. He said he had to cut like 30 pounds. He ended up missing it by a pound. But a cool move by Artem Lobov. Artem Lobov told Michael Johnson, I know they're going to take it out of your purse automatically, but I will find a way to give you your 20% back. And I thought that was really cool of Artem. Um, You know, from my standpoint, watching this fight, I felt like the broadcasting crew was more impressed with what Artem was doing than I was. I thought that Michael Johnson was really in a very good spot for this fight. Thought he had his range well. I thought he was throwing better combinations. I thought his punches were doing a little bit more damage. Yes, there was a little bit of a, a, a cut situation with Michael Johnson's eye, but I thought I thought the menace really, really held his own, and as the fight went on, I felt like he was getting stronger. So he ended up winning the fight, a unanimous decision, 29-28 on two cards, 30-27 20, uh, uh, for Michael Johnson. It was a very important win for Michael Johnson, too. You know, like I said, this guy was a... He, he trains down here, uh, Hard Knocks 365. He is a... He's very, very talented. And you're talking about a guy who was top five in this division not too long ago. And, you know, he's fallen on hard times. His only win over the last few years was an absolute demolishing knockout of Dustin Poirier, who you could say right now is... If he's not the number one contender, he's the number two contender at 155. That's how good Dustin Poirier has been. Michael Johnson knocked him out in a very emotional fight. A lot of heated, uh, a lot, of, a, a lot of uh, bad blood between the two because of the proximity of the camps. Um, so you know Michael Johnson has a lot of talent. You know, you know that this guy. Uh, it's just a case of can he get through a fight? Can he put it all together? And for this win, I thought it was very important for him because yes, it was on short notice, and you can always go to that card of. Um, 
you know, he took this fight on such and such day's notice. He had a very brutal weight cut for it. But Artem is what he is. You know, that 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 being said, he he is more known for who he trains with than his actual fight career at this moment. And so if you don't beat him, who are you going to be to really get back in the picture at 155? But you get this win. It is on a, a card that probably had a, a lot of focus on it because of the drama surrounding Conor McGregor beforehand. And now all of a sudden, you're back in the mix. You know, we talked about wanting to get that rematch against Khabib. Obviously, that's far away from Michael Johnson. But even still, a, a good performance by him to get that win like he did on short notice. Very impressive. Uh, in the last big matchup yesterday, you had Anthony Lionheart smith defeating Vulcan Uzdemir, rear naked choke in the third round. He asked for a title shot afterwards. He's now 3-0 at light heavyweight. And first round, very much a Vulcan Uzdemir round. Dominant really the whole way. Uh, really pressured Anthony Smith, other than a, a big elbow that he was able to land on Vulcan to, to, to break his nose. But even with Vulcan getting the better of that round, that broken nose turned out to be a very, very big deal in this fight because um, the blood would not stop. It's a re-break for him. So he was having trouble breathing. And what it ultimately ended up leading to, and we'll, we'll get to that in the third round, round two, you know, Smith really started uh, started off fast. He's starting bludgeoning that nose again. Uh, it's, it's pouring out like a faucet, but gets this weird situation where Vulcan gets on top of him with about 3.30 left. Doesn't do too much with it, but he is on top the entire way. So because of how Anthony had that first 90 seconds, it's not good enough to call it a 10-8 because Vulcan did not really dish out the punch, but he did win the round. You know, he did win the round, that's for sure. So we get to round three, and again, these guys both look exhausted. Keep in mind, this is a five-round fight. They both look as done as it gets. They both look cooked. Um, Anthony, as we come to learn, has, has a pretty busted up leg. Vulcan, of course, is dealing with the broken nose. Conditioning-wise, they both look very, very exhausted. No way that these guys are going to get through five rounds. It, it, it doesn't seem possible. Um, but the big, big swing in this fight came with the takedown. You get a, about a minute 45, gets the takedown of Vulcan. Vulcan is very tired at this point and starts going for the rear naked choke. And goes after it readjusts like about three times but because of the blood because of how much how much has been pouring out from Vulcan in this fight makes it a lot easier for Anthony to maneuver ends up sinking it in Vulcan has to tap out and uh and moves to 3-0 at 205 pounds now he calls for a title shot afterwards um it's been a cool story watching Anthony Smith this is a guy who's 30 years old um, I think he's at 30 and 13, I think of his, is his record at this point. And such a veteran of the sport. He's really been on a nice roll. He's taken out a couple of legends in Rashad Evans and Shogun. Now he's taken out a legit top contender at 205. So he has a, he has a very hot name at 205. Problem being right now is that you have the title fight set and it is Alexander Gustafson against John Jones, the rematch. That's going to be the title shot. So what does Anthony Smith do at this point? You're still at a point where 205 is getting some new names, uh, but not a ton. Do you stay ready just in case one of those two falls out and maybe an opportunity opens up? I think that'd be wise. Do you end up on that card as well uh, at the end of the year for 232 where you really are able to call out the winner? Uh, that could be wise for Anthony Smith as well, but he's close. I don't think it's going to take much. I don't think he's there quite yet, 
Uh, because if you beat number two, there's not really anywhere else to go, and they don't really have John Jones in the rankings anymore. So he beats Vulcan, who's number two. Really, right now, it's probably Gustafson's number two. When John comes back, obviously John has to be the number one contender. He should have been champ. He should be champ. Um, but either way, um, you, you're seeing that that Anthony Smith is is gritty. He is uh, he is he is an absolute 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 monster in that division does he have enough to beat the striking of Gustafson we've seen Gustafson wobble, wobble before so maybe that's a way he can go we've seen Gustafson has some troubles before when he gets to the ground that could be a way of victory I don't think Anthony Smith has anything for John Jones I gotta be honest with you there like I I, I just don't see it I, I don't see how this guy has anything for the best fighter to ever walk the planet I don't think that he can get inside. I don't think he can walk John down. Um, I don't think the striking is as good. So I and, and then we talk about ground game. Like John's a superb wrestler. I just don't see where the the win is there for Anthony. He's, you know, outside of just sheer will. And we've seen John in the in the hard situations as well. We've seen his arm nearly snapped off by by uh, by a, a TRT up the gills Vitor Belfort. We've seen him uh, push to the limit by uh, Gustafson. So. It's not a guy who's lacking hard or has lacked tough fights in his career either. But um, very, inter- very entertaining night of fights. Very entertaining uh, night of fights. When we come back, a huge, huge piece of news went down in mixed martial arts this week. The first of its kind, a trade went down between the UFC and one championship. And one of the most dominant champions in UFC history is moving on. We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Fighter. Excuse me. Woo! Enjoy that phlegm, everybody. All that good feeling you got from that brisk, I just ruined with that phlegm. Coming at you in the morning. 790 the phlegm. Right at you. Um, so I want to get to this. This was this was a fascinating week. We'll get to uh we'll get to UFC 230 coming up as of course we have a big pay-per-view coming up next week. Uh, heavyweight championship on the line unexpectedly. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Couple of big news and notes as far as mixed martial arts was concerned this week. So this is crazy. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson basically had his rights traded to one championship. Uh, if you guys know, it's it's an Asian-based mixed martial arts promotion. Um, known for some some different weight-cutting things as far as that's concerned. Do definitely give uh, much more love to the smaller guys. Um, recently signed Eddie Alvarez to, to a big contract, so... They look like they're trying to make some input more so over here with the uh, with the American television audience. Maybe they have a t- new TV deal coming up. I'm not sure. But Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, one of those dominant champions in UFC history, a guy who just owned the flyweight division up until recently when Henry Cejudo beat him, you know, questionably, very closely, and took his flyweight belt. And there's been there's been some rumblings. Look, Mighty Mouse has had a, an interesting relationship with the UFC, where we talked about this for a while. You know, I, I I I was in the early camp of look, Mighty Mouse wasn't a great watch. I don't get Mighty Mouse, but slowly but surely, as the championship reign continued for him, it became harder and harder to argue his greatness. You know, the the kind of submissions that he'd pull off, the kind of knockouts they pull off. You know, it used to always be, well, all he does is get to decisions. All he ever does is go to the scorecards. 
And then you think about, you know, the kind of submissions, the, 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 the kind of wins that he would go out there get, sensational wins. He really put a silence to all, to, to all doubters. And really, if you got to the point where if you were against watching Mighty Mouse, you probably just don't like watching little dudes fight because the kinds of things that he was pulling off of the cage were worse, very sensational. You know, but then we got to this weird point where the UFC really wanted him to fight TJ Dillashaw. There were talks where TJ wanted to cut weight and go to 125 to fight Mighty Mouse. He had never cut to 125 before. Mighty Mouse was kind of like, hey, this guy doesn't have to fight a contender. Like, really? Like, we don't even know if this guy can make the weight. And and then if he beats me, then we're just going to just not have this. We don't even know if this guy can continually defend the belt. And I was on Mighty Mouse's side this entire way because you can argue, as far as draws are concerned, like, you can make all the jokes about Mighty Mouse and the pay-per-view draw that he is, the ratings draw that he is. It ain't like TJ Dillashaw's on this high platform or has been for his entire career. Now, it did take a nice leap with the Cody Garbrandt thing, but is that just because that rivalry people buy into, people like a lot? I don't know. But TJ Dillashaw was not this household name. And I didn't get the appeal of a guy starving himself to go down and win belts. I like the idea of guys going up to win belts. It just has a different feel for me. You know, like, we're going to have this, there's this rumored fight coming up in February where Mikey Garcia is going to go up in wait to fight Errol Spence Jr. Everybody's like, you're crazy. How could you go up? You're the lightweight champion. How are you going to go up and fight the welterweight champion? It makes no sense. But he, but the fact that he's willing to do it is so badass and, and, and such, and such a, a, an onions move by Mikey Garcia. You know, when D.C., wants to go up, he's been the light heavyweight champion, wants to go up and fight the heavyweight champion. That's something. When Conor McGregor wants to go from the 145 belt and go up and fight a 155-pound guy for the title, that's something. This idea of going down and wait, GSP the same thing. GSP going down and 155, just nothing for me. Just It just never has. And so there was such tension in this. Like The UFC was like, well, they will th- you know, shut down the flyweight division. I'm like, what? For this? This is worth... If you're doing that, you're just looking for an excuse to th- to to throw out the flyweight division. If you're going to do it over this. So, apparently, as Ariel Helwani reports, after Johnson lost the title to Cejudo, Helwani writes, Sources told ESPN the plan was hatched to leave the UFC, but the UFC needed an incentive to release Johnson from his deal. Sources said that's when Johnson's representatives at First Round Management, who are based down, down here, the Kawa brothers and their whole operation, came up with the idea uh, to pitch sending Askren to the UFC over to an exchange they get Mighty Mouse's rights over at one championship. Now, I'm sure a lot of you who listen to this show probably know about Ben Askren because I imagine if you listen to our show, you're pretty hardcore fans. But for those who don't, Ben Askren is, a, is an undefeated welterweight uh, badass wrestler, trains with the likes of Tyron Woodley. Um, they were college. They were college teammates. He was a former Bellator champion, and is is always been thought of as definitely good enough to fight in the UFC, and has had this weird, long-standing beef with Dana White. It's a super petty beef. It's not a money thing. 
it wasn't a it wasn't a, a case of like refusal of matchups. Him and Dana White just didn't see eye to eye. It's a weird thing. He's not the most exciting fighter in the world. You'd probably put it in the likes of a Habib style or a GSP style. So a lot of wrestling base, but he has been finishing more people. Like it's not a represent it's not a it's not a fair reputation, but that was Dana White's excuse. Who wants to watch Ben Askren and the way he fights come into the UFC and fight? Nobody likes to see that. But as UFC fans and mixed martial arts fans become more educated, as you want to just a desire to see who is the best guy in the world, as we just see what Khabib did to Conor McGregor, people respect that skill set. It is not the most pleasing. It's never going to sell more pay-per-views than Conor McGregor. Talk and bleep and starching people and knocking them out cold. It's never going to be that. But there is a desire amongst mixed martial arts fans to know who is the best, who has the best skill set, and for the longest time, the grappler has had the best skill set over the striker. And if you have a guy who has the possibility of knocking off Habib or knocking off GSP and having that kind of win on his resume, and he still wants to continue fighting, he only has 15 fights in his career, that is, a, that is a very, very interesting thing for the UFC to have. Also, this little beef that he has with Dana White is interesting. You know, it doesn't always have to be kumbaya between fighter and promoter. It's fine to have a little animosity. That sells. You know, they have that more right in, in Britain where people boo the hell out of Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn's fine playing the bad guy. Dana White, one thing about him, tremendous as he is, gets in his feelings a lot and seems to take things very, very personally, which is why Ben Askren hasn't been here in the first place. So what you have here is you have a guy in Ben Askren who feels like he can stand up for himself a little bit more. Playing the bad guy, at least against management, is more in his wheelhouse than it is Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse is a nice dude, man. He's a nice dude. He's class all the way. He's supremely talented. But the UFC doesn't care about the division. And they feel like they've kind of run its course. They're already talking about it with Henry Cejudo. All right, let's do the TJ fight, but we want him moving up. Which makes more sense. If you want the guy to go get a second belt, have him move up. But at that point, what do you do with all these with these, with these 125ers? Do you do more of a, cro, uh, a co-promotion and send more 125ers to one championship? Maybe. I don't know. But... The fact that they were able to have this deal come through is very, very cool. I don't know how much this is going to happen. This seems like a pretty special window of guys who who both wanted to move on to different places. Ben has been now talking. He basically retired, uh, and the only thing he wanted to come out for was GSP. But now you put Khabib in the mix after his star power rose from beating Conor McGregor. There's There, there seems to be more matchups that now intrigue Ben Askren who doesn't take a ton of damage, who is, uh, who is, you know, just very, very talented. He trains he trains with the likes and, and coaches with the likes of, of Tyron Woodley, so you know this guy is really, really good and, and has the respect of a lot of people in the sport. He started out, he's basically called out everybody, Darren Till, Colby Covington, the list goes on. Uh, George St. Pierre, Khabib, all of them. Uh, seems like Darren Till's the one that intrigues him the most for a first matchup because we know Habib's going to be pay, uh, looks like he's going to be taking on Tony Ferguson uh, in his next fight. But I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really cool. All respect to Mighty Mouse. Um, and who knows? You know, the one thing we could say with this, if he goes to one championship for a little bit, who knows how long this deal will be for. But the one thing that does always sell is an all-time great coming back. And so if Mighty Mouse eventually does have his comeback fight with the UFC, it could be a big deal. It could. It, it really could be. Um but he was a good champion. He, I mean, he really was. I mean, 
in 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 a sport where everybody loses, in a sport where there's controversy surrounding a lot of champions, this dude just showed up. He 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 cleaned his division out twice, three times over, and really answered a lot of the doubts that that people had of him, with as far as excitement level goes for his fights. And he's a very you know he's a very charming dude to talk to. He's a he's a, he's a very intelligent fighter. Um, so all, all, all the best to him and excited to see what Ben Askren brings to the table. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be fun having that kind of personality, um, in the UFC who is, uh, who, who doesn't care if you don't like it, if you don't like his style or not, he just wants to go and, and continue to have that undefeated record. So we'll see what this comes out and, uh, and how this, how this, uh, how this all pans out. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit of UFC 230. Daniel Cormier defending his heavyweight title against the black beast, Derek Lewis. Fun matchup, last-minute matchup. What Everybody seems to think DC is going to dominate this thing. Can Derek Lewis pull off an unbelievable upset? We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It's Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. I uh, want to get to a couple pieces of news before we get into next week's card, UFC 230. Frankie Edgar, this news came out just before the weekend. Frankie Edgar is hurt, so he is out for his fight against Chansung Jung, Korean Zombie, on November 10th. According to ESPN, he has torn his left bicep, and he does not need surgery, so he will be back hopefully in early 2019. In his place, Yair Rodriguez has stepped in. We haven't seen Yair I think since he lost to Frankie Edgar, Frankie put, beat the brakes off of him. And then he had a situation where the UFC released him, and then he came back. It was supposed to fight Sabit, and that never came to fruition. He got injured again, so we're finally going to see uh, El Pentero back in the octagon, but um, under under rough circumstances, it, has, uh, it means because Frankie Edgar's hurt. Uh, the other piece of news that I want to get to, is the Nevada State Athletic Commission. They voted unanimously on Wednesday to extend their temporary suspensions of Khabib and Connor for their post-fight melee at UFC 229. Um, they did give Khabib a, a half of his purse, so they got a million dollars, and they're going to freeze the other half until their hearing in December. And Connor's supposed to be present for that, too. And one thing that did come out, I guess that was also newsworthy of this, is the commission said that they would have also held Connor's $3 million purse if they had seen all the footage that they had seen um, leading into this thing. So they, they said that Connor should have had the same punishment as Sabib for his acts, um, but they didn't. So Connor got his money, but he does have to still face the commission for punishment. And look, they went, they went as far as to say they could have taken all his money. You know, they, they talked to, um, very brash and bold early on, which they typically do. Uh, this will be interesting in this upcoming hearing because I'm always surprised with how bad the defenses are of the fighters when they get to these things. You know, I, I always think they got the best teams. They, they got plenty of time. You know, you would think the commissions want to go easy on them. Just show a little more show some logic man they come up with some whoppers like anderson silva john jones there's been some real stinkers uh up there now thankfully they have they have good teams and, and a lot of the times they've been able to avoid big things but you know 
Uh, Habib's as hot as ever as it comes to star power, so I don't think the UFC really wants him out for a year suspension. Even if we get to December, you know, at that point you're talking it would be like an eight-month suspension retroactive, so he'd be back in the next fall. But, man, I think if you are the UFC, you want Khabib back out there in July. You know, you want him back out there for a main card. Take it on Tony. You've already said that you want Tony Ferguson to get the next shot. Um, Connor came out this week, the long Instagram post, saying that, you know, he he's okay to face whoever's next in line if he's not going to get the rematch, which it doesn't seem like he is, according to Dana White's words, unless there's, you know, some catastrophic injury that occurs to either uh, Khabib or Tony Ferguson in the lead-up to this fight. But, um, yeah, that's what went down with the commission this week. The, the, the big... The big punishment will be handed down in December, it seems like. Um, Connor doesn't seem like he's off the hook. And Habib gets half of his money for now. And we'll see where we're at. We'll see where we're at with that. Let's get to UFC 230 coming up next week. Now, this has been a cursed card in its own right. Um, this was long. This started out like this. Uh, the big names on it, you had Chris Weidman was supposed to take on Luke Rockhold. Uh, you're supposed to have Nate Diaz taking on Dustin Poirier. And we were also supposed to have a main event that we thought was going to be John Jones's return, uh, seemingly against Alexander Gustafson. John Jones's return never happened, so they were out there. There was a longstanding call from Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier to do a 165 title. And that would have been cool. There's a lot of talk of this 165 title. Seems like a lot of fighters are for it. I see no reason why not to do it if if they if the fighters seem like they're cool with it. I think that that is the gap where there's enough depth in the UFC where they would be fine with it. I think there's so many contenders at 155. There's a good amount of contenders at 170. Um, it, it, I think it's a I think it's a good move and and especially with the with the ESPN stuff coming up, they're going to need a lot of intriguing matchups to sell all the content they have to dole out there. But that fight fell out. Then we were supposed to get um, uh, we were supposed to get uh, Soraya Eubanks against Valentina Shevchenko. That got bounced. You know there was such outcry for that being the main event, and you know Soraya Eubanks went on this um this this rant on Twitter that people were messing with her lives, and you know she got mad at Joe Rogan for saying they didn't know who she was. But is you know you get with the UFC they fought so long to get into New York that they always want to blow the doors off it if they can. They don't want it to just be another car. They don't want it to be a car where they are subject to something bad happening or it, it, it really losing its momentum because it took so long to get there. So they eventually land on Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis. And everybody remembers Derek Lewis's last performance. He knocks out Volkov, uh, Volkov in the last round. Volkov makes a critical error, leaves his chin open. Gets hit with a big right hand. Derek Lewis t- tells everybody his boys are hot. He uh, he says that he was uh, he was he was knocking out Volkov for for America. He's being a stud on the microphone like he always is. But this card in particular, because it was on the Conor McGregor Khabib card, his star power skyrocketed. Everybody started following Derek Lewis, and the UFC's like, you know what? Let's ride this, Derek Lewis. Would you fight Daniel Cormier? Derek Cormier is like, you know what? I've kind of fought the light heavyweight version of Derek Lewis before. His name was Anthony Rumble Johnson. Not fully healed yet with my hand. He's been talking about his broken hand for a while. But this is a matchup that he thinks he can win with it. It's a fun matchup. 
it's a matchup I think most pundits and experts and people who consume the sport and fans, they all look at this matchup the same way. And they think, look, I've seen what Daniel Cormier does to guys who throw haymakers and only have one way to beat them. And the way he beats them is he takes them down, he takes their gas tank, he takes their takes their neck, he chokes them out. That's how he wins. That's how he wins all these fights. Whether it be Rumble Johnson, whether it be Ozemir, whether it be whoever, that's how he wins. But, but, the one thing that is interesting here, DC is coming off a sensational knockout victory over Stipe. Sensational. So, do we get to a point where Stipe, where Derek, uh, where Daniel, excuse me, faces off against Derek and is so confident where he's even got the better hands in the fight and is training with better guys and likes his skill set that he tries to get a little bit too froggy and throws a little bit too much. Because here's the thing with Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, it's like, how can I explain this? Um, You just never know when he's dead, man. It's like, it's like, you know, like they say with the Gila monster, you cut off the Gila monster's head, but it can still bite you and latch on to you and you still could get poison. That's kind of like, that, that's kind of like Derek Lewis, man. Like he, you never know when he's out of this fight ever. Now you could walk, there's, there's a flip side to that. They could walk into that first round, his back could flare up, and, and he could be easy pickings for, for DC the entire way. But you'll watch that fight against Volkov. You watch Derek Lewis's performances against Travis Brown. This guy, you know, he wades back there. He just kind of sits there, hand on fist, waiting for that opportunity. And if you make the slightest error, he will knock your ass out flatlined and because of his body type it's not like this like a like a like a friend singanu where you have this hulking drago figure where it feels like he just can't even lift his arms anymore Derek lewis you just can never count him out of these fights do i have the guts to pick him no i don't i don't I w- but there's not a guy I want to win a championship, I think, ever in the history of UFC more than Derek Lewis. If I had my—and that's not a slight—DC's as nice as they come. I was so happy he was able to get his moment beating Stipe Miocic and win the heavyweight championship, separate himself from John Jones. It's cool that he sh- he's going to get this Brock Lesnar matchup. But a, a, a world in where Derek Lewis is heavyweight champion is a world I want to be in. A world where the heavyweight champion of the world will tell you his boys are hot. That's why he's taking off his underwear. That's a world I want to live in. I don't think he's going to win. But God, do I want him to win. Because he's only got one way to win. He's only got one path. And DC's such a smart fighter. We've seen him in there with the likes of Anderson Silva. He's not going to risk it. He's not going to put himself in that position. We've seen him in there with the likes of Anthony Rumble Johnson. We've seen him take Anthony Rumble's best shot. Still came. There's only one man on this planet, one man, who has ever exposed anything for Daniel Cormier, 
and he happens to be the best fighter to ever do it in John Jones. Other than that, number two is Daniel Cormier, and I just can't see him faltering in this fight. He knows what's on the line. DC's no idiot. He knows a Brock Lesnar fight is right down the road. So you think he's going to put himself in position to lose this fight? I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see him standing and banging. Could it be a position where maybe he's feeling so froggy because of the way he knocked out Stipe? I just can't imagine him converting to that kind of fighter. He's just never been that over his career. Can't see it. So I'm going to pick DC to win. I say he eventually chokes out Derek Lewis. But man, if Derek Lewis wins, I the only time I could imagine jumping out, like I would be. I remember feeling this way with with Rose versus Joanna, where I was like, man, I just don't see how Joanna, how how Rose can beat Joanna. Joanna striking so devastating. Is she really gonna muscle her down and beat her to the ground? I, I just can't see it. And Joanna clocked her. I mean, uh, Rose clocked Joanna, clocked her. And I just remember being so shocked and so thrilled by that moment as a fight fan. That's what I, would, I think I would feel like again if if Derek was able to pull this off. He's going to join us, by the way, this week. We'll have Derek Lewis on uh, with uh, with myself, Leroy, and Beast later on this week. I'm very excited to talk to, to, uh, to Derek Lewis about everything involved with this. As far as the, uh, the rest of the matchups are concerned, Fun way to open up the main card. Derek Brunson against Israel Adesanya. Uh, Stylebender's a very, very fun young fighter. Um, cocky as all hell. Talks a lot of smack. Derek Brunson uh, called out for this fight. So these guys have been wanting this setup. So that should be a fun matchup. Um, you got Carl Roberson against Jack Marshman. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with Marshman on that one. You have... Chris Weidman taking on Jacare Souza. Last minute replacement. It was supposed to be the rematch between Weidman and Rockhold. Rockhold has uh, another thing flaring up with his leg. Man, I want to see Rockhold get healthy again uh, all the way. This has been a rough stretch of his career because of that damn shin injury. Um, he's so damn good. He's so damn good. But I also want to see what would this fight be like if if Chris Weidman didn't make that critical mistake like he did with that weak-ass you know, roundhouse kick that he put on. Luke to to set up his ultimate demise in in, in that fight. So it's a shame we're not going to get that. But uh, even still, that's a, that's a good matchup and and see if uh, Chris Wyman can get fully in line with that. But man, that is uh, that is that is going to be a fun fun next week UFC 230 if Derek Lewis can pull it off. It could be super boring. Could be DC doing the conventional thing. Um, but I imagine, look, what can you get ready for in five weeks time? knowing that you just have to not get taken down? That's a tough question. I mean, DC's as good as they come with taking people down. You know, he's so damn strong. He's so big. He's so good at wrestling. Um, I just, I, I, you gotta, you gotta think something crazy happens for him to make that kind of a mistake. And there was, there were windows. In the Rumble Johnson fight, there was a window where he did get hit bad in the first one. Hit bad, but he came, kept going. In the in the Anderson Silva fight, another tremendous striker. Very very small small window where it was stand up for a little. DC got a little clipped, went back to take down City. I gotta imagine that's gonna be the way he goes this way. But man, 
What I mean, you talk about a guy and Derek Lewis has the gems of his boys are hot. He's telling his girl he's going home and going deep. And where Ronda Rousey find ass out? What would that interview be like afterwards with Joe Rogan if Derek Lewis were to win this fight? I mean, it, it might smoke anything Conor McGregor did out of the water. It is it is that he is that kind of charismatic and fun. Oh, love to live in a world where he is UFC heavyweight champion. Everybody have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. It's nice and brisk out there. Sorry I flemmed on you guys. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow with the midday show. And of course, we'll be back same time, same place next week with another edition of Fighters Fury. All right, guys, let's just do a quick bonus segment here. Uh, there was some boxing news that I wanted to get to that we really didn't get to because there was so much UFC stuff going down. You got, of course, the pay-per-view coming up next week. But mentioned a little bit early on in the show, Mikey Garcia versus Errol Spence. Uh, according to Ring Magazine, that's in advance negotiations for a February Showtime pay-per-view. Uh, would take place at welterweight against uh, Spence for his IBF championship. Really, really cool matchup. The, the only thing I don't get with this, this is the thing that I find strange, is, um, you know, they're basically just doing this fight because promotionally it is easier. Like, these are both Showtime guys, and so you have two of the best fighters on the planet, pound for pound, going up against each other. The thing that I just don't get about it is... One, it feels like Mikey Garcia is biting off way more than he could chew. And I respect the fact that he's going in there. You know, it's a guy who's looking for the biggest fights possible because of all the time that he had off promotionally. But, you know, I got to know, like, within their own divisions, I want to know who's better. Garcia versus Lomachenko and Spence versus Crawford. You know, and the, and the only thing that we have holding it up is, well... Garcia and Spencer Showtime guys, and those guys are ESPN guys. They're top-ranked guys. So I just find it frustrating. You know, like, I would love to see this fight eventually down the road, maybe, like, uh, find out who's better amongst them. But, you know, it, it is a pound-for-pound matchup. And if, if Garcia can put on the the right weight the, the, the right way, um, you know, maybe it'll turn out to be a, a more competitive fight than I think so, but it just feels like he's biting off more than he can chew there. Al Heyman and Manny Pacquiao officially announced their new partnership this week. Manny is going to start facing the PBC's table. It seems like the Adrian Broner fight is going to be where he debuts, but he did put out a cool tweet where um, it's Manny eyeballing uh, all the people on PBC, and it's uh, Errol Spence, Floyd Mayweather, Mikey Garcia, and Sean Porter. Mikey Garcia versus Manny Pacquiao will be a really fun fight, a very fun fight. Um, you know, but looks like, uh, but it seems to everybody that Broner's going to be the first matchup. Supposedly that's going to lead into a Floyd Mayweather rematch. Although Floyd seems like he's wishy-washy on that more PBC news. This will be cool for our Miami fans down here. If you've been looking for the return of Guillermo Rigandao, he has not fought since losing to Lomachenko since Lomachenko made him verbally, uh, quit. Rigandalo is now going to be joining Premier Boxing Champions. So I does that mean he's out of uh, the A and T promotion, the Mundo Boxing firm? I gotta imagine he's still training with them, right? Um That'd be interesting. I'll have to look into that locally. But he is now officially on board with PBC and he is going to return in December. It seems like he is going to come back on the Wilder Fury card, which would be cool to stack up that pay-per-view card. Also on that card is going to be Luis Ortiz. So we're going to have ourselves a little bit of a Cuban party on December 1st. So all my Miami fans down here, if you're looking for something, uh, you guys can check that out. Speaking of local boxing, by the way, coming up on November 10th, 
uh, Harold Calderon, he is going to be making his much-anticipated return. Uh, you know we're big fans of King Calderon on this show and been following his career. We had him on the Midday Show this past week. We had him in for a couple reasons. One, we were promoting his fight. Um, two, he was uh, he was a big part of my Dwayne Wade Boulevard video that has uh, gotten a lot of attention this week. So he's looking to go to 18-0. He is going to be fighting at the Miami Youth Fair uh november 10th so that's a that's a in a couple weeks you guys can get tickets go to him at at harold calderon harold calderon underscore on instagram you guys can get tickets from him there that's the best way to go about it um but check that out i I recommend that uh i recommend that interview he's fantastic as always and you know that we're big fans of everything all things fight miami when it comes to him and he's he loves miami he loves the city he loves the teams down here uh lives down here and uh, just a very cool thing. Um, Jamal Charlo, he won a coin flip, a coin flip to be the main event card on December 22nd on Fox when his brother Jermel will be the co-main event. Jermel will, Jamal will defend his WBC middleweight title um, against Willie Monroe, and Jermel will defend his WBC junior middleweight title against Tony Harrison. And reason being, this is a, a fight you want to pay attention to is because the Charlo brothers, they, uh, they've been in talks with, it seems like, Eddie Hearn about jumping to zone, And that, of course, would uh, uh, open up more options for Danny Jacobs, and Canelo Alvarez, and Billy Joe Saunders, and all that stuff. Uh, but they, of course, they say so far they haven't been happy with the money offered, which... If they had big showings here, if they could show they're a big draw, um, this could be a big leaping off point for them. Uh, finally, I want to mention this. If you guys want some good listening, some good fight listening, um, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to us, but maybe not so, listen to the Joe Rogan Experience. Um, and it's one of my favorite fight podcasts out there, especially when Joe talks to fighters. I like when Joe talks to a lot of people, but he does a good job. Uh, Tyson Fury sat down with him for about an hour, 20 minutes and really interesting sit down really interesting cat uh, tyson furious we're getting to learn more and more about him as the uh the lead up to this fight comes but uh the 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 most captivating part of the interview is him talking about the mental illth- the the mental illness issues that he dealt with and most of course his uh his suicide attempt he goes into detail about how he bought this you know crazy expensive ferrari and was going to drive it off a bridge and then had this weird um I mean, from his standpoint, basically a come to Jesus moment. Like he he says, God basically stopped him, and uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting listen. I recommend it. And uh, and Tyson Fury, win, lose or draw, he's uh, he's really on this kick about being a a voice for mental wellness, and um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool for Tyson Fury. And you had uh you had this week him uh, him getting ready for Deontay Wilder they're of course fighting at the beginning of December um that's a really intriguing matchup which we'll get more into as the fight closes in but recommended listening a couple of recommended listens listen to our interview with Howard Calderon on the Toby Leroy Beast podcast and then uh check out that on the Joe Rogan experience all right everybody have a great rest of your week we'll talk to you next week we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix but what do people do with their ears well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.